This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Fraser Crane is back. After nine seasons on Cheers and 11 more on the spinoff, Frasier, the snobby psychiatrist, joins the long list of characters rebooted for the streaming age. Surrounded by a new supporting cast, Dr. Crane is back in Boston with a new set of challenges. But what made the original series so watchable? And how does the new series stack up? I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about Frasier, old and new, on Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from Capital One, presenting sponsor of the 2024 Tiny Desk Contest. Earlier this year, unsigned musicians from around the country submitted their original songs for the 10th annual Tiny Desk Contest. The panel of judges are hard at work picking standout entries, and you can follow along and choose your favorite videos as well. The winner gets to play their very own Tiny Desk concert, then headline a tour with NPR Music this summer. Want to come along for the ride? Visit tinydeskcontest.npr.org to learn more, then check out the Venture X card from presenting sponsor Capital One. Earn unlimited 2x miles on everything you buy and turn everyday purchases into extraordinary trips. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to Viore.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me today is one of the hosts of NPR's All Things Considered and the Consider This podcast, Juana Summers. Welcome, Juana. Hi, Linda. And also with us is Andrew Limbong. He's the host of NPR's Book of the Day podcast and a reporter for the Culture Desk. Hey, Andrew. Hey, baby. I fear the blues are calling. Let's <laughs> do it. Let's go. Let's go. It's game time. All right. It is game time. So <laughs> Frasier Crane is played by Kelsey Grammer. The character was introduced during the third season of Cheers back in 1980, Gulp 4. As the obviously losing side of a love triangle with Sam and Diane, Frasier stuck around, though, for the rest of the series. After Cheers ended, Frasier got his own spinoff in 1993, in which he lived in Seattle. 
That show ran for 11 seasons and still holds the record for the most Emmy Awards ever won by a comedy series. We'll talk about the Frasier reboot in a little bit, but first we wanted to spend some time on the original series. We were talking before we started recording about the fact that I am always really surprised by <laughs> who turns out to be a Frasier person, or as as Andrew put it, a Frasier head. Andrew, <laughs> tell me about your Frasier head status. Okay, so I've been a fan since high school, which would have been, I think I was in high school from like 04 to 07. So somewhere in that year range, I started mm-hmm. watching it because I was like, I grew up a Friends watcher and a Friends right. fan, you know, I like modeled my personality after Chan and all that. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and then I became kind of more like pretentious and I was in my Latin class, you know, I right. was I was reading these books and I was like, oh, of course you were. <laughs> I know, right. And I was like, oh. I think I'm kind of like better than these other kids. You know what I mean? And I started watching Frasier because I thought that that was like a smarter like sitcom to watch. Mm -hmm. I think it was on like We on syndication, if I'm not mistaken. But I think it was. I think it's been in a lot of places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was just like mainlining Frasier all night. I realized it was just as dumb as Friends was, but it was a little sharper and a little more. um... (laughs) I really enjoyed this sort of like farcical stuff, like the door slamming and like going in and out of hallways, like that sort of aspect of the yes, humor. me too. It was also kind of meaner mm-hmm. than other sitcoms around, like especially like Niles and Roz, like going at it. I was like, do these people like actually not like each other? I don't know what's going on here. It's a fine line. Yeah. You know, I, I've obviously seen like all of it. It's become my go-to um, if I'm hungover on a Sunday morning, <laughs> and I'll like throw on Frasier, if I can't go to sleep. There's actually, actually, I think a couple years ago, I did this piece about being bored and it started with I'm bored and there's tape of me like watching Frasier while I try to go to sleep. So that's how hard of a Frasier head I am. All right, Juana, how about you? What is your Frasier situation? Oh my gosh. So first of all, I should say like Andrew, most nights I actually go to sleep to Frasier still. It's like that perfect comfort TV that reminds me of my childhood where you kind of know every single word to the plot so you don't have to concentrate Uh super carefully, but it's always on my TV. But I think for me, it all started, I was a little younger than Andrew when I started watching it. My grandmother, who has since died, loved Frasier when I was younger. Mm -hmm. And then as I was getting older, I didn't watch a lot of other sitcoms at the time. I did not really watch Friends or any of the other ones or Seinfeld that was around kind of in the same era. Mm-hmm. But I really love the fact that Frasier seemed to kind of have this insider-outsider dynamic that really appealed to me as kind of a misfit, confused kid who didn't know what their place was in anything. And I loved the fact that the show is genuinely funny. It's not funny like I'm going to spit my drink out while I'm watching it funny, but I thought that the humor was refreshing and just like very wholesome. And I always really enjoyed it about that. And then carrying it over into my adulthood, especially when we started being in the pandemic, I'd seen all of Frasier, but I'd never watched Cheers. And so then one of my first pandemic tasks when I could no longer go to all the bars that I loved was to pretend like I was in one and watch (laughs) Cheers from start to finish. Absolutely. I think I'm the one person in this conversation who is old enough that I it's not just that I watched Frasier from the beginning when it was on. I watched Cheers from the beginning when it was on. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure when they first announced that the spinoff character was going to be Frasier. I was kind of like, mm, yeah. I don't know if I want to watch a whole show about Frasier. Because to me, Frasier was a counterbalance to this kind of bar dude atmosphere at Cheers. So it didn't necessarily seem like it would be a good thing to me to go follow him without that environment. But 
when you get there, you had his father, Martin, played by the wonderful, great John Mahoney, who has since passed away. Mm. And Niles, played by David Hyde Pierce, who I didn't know at that time. And they they set up this new dynamic where, you know, his father, Martin, who was a former police officer, who had been injured and needed help, and that's why Frazier moved in with his father, it was a genuinely kind of moving story of why they were living together and why these people who were very different from each other wound up living together. And somehow they created a dynamic where different people, whether it was Niles mm-hmm. or Martin or Roz, played by Perry Gilpin, who was his – because he was a radio host and she was his producer. <laughs> we love a radio love producer. <laughs> Those people could all kind of cut him down even though he could also cut other people down. And I thought there was a very good balance of like sometimes he was the buffoon and sometimes he was the very smart and clever kind of commenter on other people's behavior. It is a funny show. Do I laugh hysterically? No. But those are all people who have uh, all the people we've already talked about and and Jane Leaves who played Daphne, who is Martin's nurse, who be- it was a live-in nurse and became Niall's love interest eventually. All of those people also really have a way with a line delivery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of the jokes are good jokes, but they become great jokes because of the way that they are delivered. This was kind of a, a time when, you know, NBC had a lot of these really solid sitcoms. And I I really liked it, even though I will admit there was a point where I was like, how many disastrous parties can these people throw and attend, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so I've never actually seen Cheers. I've never seen an episode of Cheers. Was Frasier essentially like the Niles of Cheers? And like, was he... Was he like a breakout star? Or was he just like number four? You know, like well, where where was he in that mix? They brought him in in the third season. Mm-hmm. Diane had had a breakdown of sorts, which on this show is hilarious. I guess she had <laughs> gone off and spent time in this kind of place where she was, you know, getting over her her breakdown. And Fraser had been her doctor. And then it also turned out that now he was her boyfriend. Ugh. Also treated as less <laughs> problematic than it would. Clearly be nah. So he came on as Diane's boyfriend, and it was very much that he was the opposite of Sam. Sam was this, you know, baseball player and, like, regular guy. And Frazier was this kind of fussy academic. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was really funny. And they went in an interesting direction by kind of making the guys at the bar grow to like him. And he grew to like them. And I think they just liked Kelsey Grammer. And so they kept mm-hmm. the character, even though I can't imagine they originally planned for him to stay around for eight more seasons. And Linda, I think it goes back to something you were saying earlier about the fact that so many of the characters in Frasier, but I would also say this applies to Kelsey Grammer portraying Frasier in Cheers. It's really about that delivery. I mean, he has this incredible sense of presence. He's this very physical actor who owns the fact that he's playing this stuffy, pretentious, over-the-top, kind of lovingly sneered at wealthy, full-of-himself guy, and it really works for him. I feel like there are so many other people who could have picked up that character. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have felt 
fun to watch. He would have been easy to poke fun at in a less loving way. It wouldn't have come across as well. But I think the fact, I don't know, as a lover of Cheers, I could have seen a Norman Cliff spinoff who were kind of like the barfly guys who are always the, mm-hmm. make cracking jokes and sitting at the end with the big mugs of beer. You could have easily seen that as the spinoff, but that's not what happened. And I think a lot of it is to the credit of Kelsey Grammer's just really impressive acting skills in ways that he elevates this character that could not be lovable in the hands of a different actor. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's surprising to me how touching Frasier can be at times. Yeah. That that show when they're dealing with this clearly difficult but loving relationship he has with his dad. Because they haven't ever really been able to relate to each other. But here they are where his dad needs him and he feels that he needs to take care of his father. But also this kind of relationship that he has with Niles where they've always kind of been both very competitive with each other, but also very much kind of the only person who has ever understood each other in a way. Because they're both these kind of pretentious dorks. I don't know. Dad's so set in his ways. Well, we all are at some point in our lives. Remember when you used to think that the 1812 Overture was a great piece of classical music? Was I ever that young? (laughs) No, you and I have to broaden Dad's horizons. Show him the world that he's only read about in TV Guide. But they get such joy out of, you know, talking about wine and music and the opera. And they really are tightly connected in that way. And I often found that show kind-hearted in a certain way, even though I agree that it also could be much more cutting, as Andrew was mentioning, than other other sitcoms of the time. Yeah, you know, there's this episode of Frasier, you know the one where uh, the Frasier, there was a Halloween party and they all go as their heroes. And then so Roz goes as Wonder Woman, I believe. And then Daphne goes as Elton John. Niles goes as his dad. Somebody get me a beer! <laughs> <laughs> You know, he's in character as his dad, but then he gets like too drunk and is like, I've never been proud of my boys, you know, in the character of his dad. And it's such a crushing moment to watch John Mahoney, you know, see how like his sons see him. And then he get he gets really mad and he storms off. And it's just this like really intimate moment of like dads don't get along with their sons, you know, and it's like and I remember being like, my dad was like literally a boxer and I'm an English major. And I don't, I don't know if he understands my William Faulkner papers. And da, 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 da. Um, yeah, I just think about that core relationship. It, that is the beating heart of that show so often, you know. Well, it's interesting to you because that dynamic between father and son also does so much to interrogate the inherent privilege in the show. Mm-hmm. And like as someone who's watched mm-hmm. so many of these episodes over the years – I sometimes step back and find it fascinating that I love this show as much as I do because it's so deeply unrelatable to my own personal experiences. It is these (laughs) Mm -hmm. two very wealthy older white men. I am none of those things. And this world that they inhabit and value contrasts with a lot of my values. And yet you have their father who was injured in the line of duty, is a working class man who's trying to figure out how there's so much space and dissonance between himself and his sons and the material things that they value versus the core things that they value. And I think that's one of the things that's made the show actually really interesting to watch and then to rewatch and to figure out kind of why it works for me and why some parts of it don't. Yeah, I think it's such a good blend, too, of those really, as we're saying, like there is like a deep relationship at the core of this 
of Frasier, the original Frasier. And mm-hmm. yet also, as Andrew mentioned, it can be so silly and farcical. And there's a sort of a well-known sequence that they did just with music, with no dialogue, oh, uh-huh. where Niles is kind of getting ready for a date or a party or something. And he's ironing and then he burns whatever he's ironing and he sets something on fire and then mm-hmm. disaster upon disaster. It is a really wonderful little physical comedy set piece. And I think they all proved to be very adept at silly comedy and then also kind of really grounded character comedy, which I I think is what I loved about it so much. Yeah, it was definitely like in the school of Mr. Bean, right? In Mm. that sort of way. Yeah, certainly that part was. Uh Well, in the new episodes, uh, Frasier has moved back to Boston to teach at Harvard, but the rest of the original supporting cast is not on hand for this one. Instead, we get Frasier's grown son, Freddie, played by Jack Cutmore Scott, and Niles and Daphne's son, played by Anders Keith. There's also Freddie's friend Eve, played by Jess Salgaro. Nicholas Lindhurst plays Frasier's old friend Alan, who is kind of this professor who doesn't care about being a professor. He just has tenure, so now he's lazy. <laughs> and Tokes Olagondoye plays their Harvard colleague, Olivia. The new Frasier series is streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. Juana, what did you think of these new episodes? So there was a lot that I liked, but there was also a lot that I could set aside. I think for me, when I was setting out to watch this, the biggest thing I tried to do is to try to own immediately that it would not be the original series and it probably not be as good as the original series. I would not love it as much and that's okay. And that is very clearly where I sit. You know, initially from the first episode, just seeing Kelsey Grammer back on the screen as Frasier just kind of hit an emotional touchstone for me <laughs> mm-hmm. in a way that I frankly was not anticipating to be as strong. There are parts of the new series that are a little contrived for me. There are some plot lines that you start to foil out with regards to Frasier and his son, Freddy, and Freddy's roommate that I think feel a little predictable. And I think I could probably already sketch out the rest of the season for you and tell you where it's going to go. But I think it still has some of that loving, teasing humor that made the original series so good, particularly between Frasier and Alan, the Harvard professor, very much is reminiscent to me of the Frasier-Niles dynamic, which I really loved. And I think that my favorite thing about the episodes that we've seen so far is the way early on in the first episode, the way that they acknowledge Mm -hmm. Martin's death, which is very recent for the characters, I thought was very loving and very touching and really spoke to the emotional core of the original series and how much Martin meant to the series and to the franchise in a way that I just thought was incredibly well done. I definitely teared up more than a little bit. Yeah, I get that. Andrew, what did you think? Okay. I was low-key relieved. I, I don't know why I convinced myself of this, that like <laughs> Frasier was going to take this like radio show and become like a right-wing YouTube podcaster, you know, just like one of these. <laughs> like, dude. Oh, God. So I was relieved that it wasn't that, right? <sighs> I don't know. There's there's all these like store brand replacements for the people that don't show up, right? Like Niles' son as his replacement definitely gives off more of like a like a Sheldon vibe than than like a Niles vibe. Yes. Like the worst parts of Daphne, right? And and certainly is not a challenge to Fraser. Yeah, like the best part of Niles is that he can he can, you know, show Fraser up and all that. And the thing I was also mostly missing, I thought there would at least be one intricately plotted, like farcy sort of episode we get a hint of that in the pilot there's one scene when they're trying to hide the baby 
and uh, Freddy like pushes the carriage like behind while while Fridge is bending down or something like that. That shot just like recalled so much like old, like the ski lodge episode of Frasier to me, and I was hoping for more of that. But instead, we kind of just like have a sitcom. Yeah, you know? they do go in the last episode of the ones that we saw. We saw five. They kind of go into that fancy party um, idea. Because to me, the signature episode of Frasier mm-hmm. is like big fancy mm-hmm. event where they want to make a good impression and something terrible happens, right? That was familiar to me. And I did like that one better. I felt like these episodes got a little better as they went along. I didn't think the later ones were quite as clunky as the pilot. But I did not like these. And I felt like he's not the character that he was, but he's also not quite a new character. And there are a bunch of things that just don't feel true mm-hmm. to this character for me. It does not feel true to me that his best friend would be a professor who just blows off being a professor because Fraser has always been so serious about academia. Right. And it means so much to him and he takes it so seriously. But the bigger issue is they have a really weird relationship with the fact that Fraser has come back to Boston. Mm-hmm. I wish he had just gone like to New York or something like that because when they put him back in Boston, but he doesn't, see the people that he knew in Boston, at least in these episodes. He doesn't talk about wanting to see them. There are a couple of different bits here where the joke is that Frazier has no understanding of either A, Boston sports, or B, the way Boston people are about Boston sports. And this is? (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's Dirt from Fenway. World Series 2013. What a delightfully peculiar little square. You're not so bad yourself. It's not that I expect them not to retcon anything. It's the the idea of the character was that as he spent time with these guys in this Boston bar, it changed him a little bit. He became kind of more accepting of them and more flexible. Mm -hmm. And so when they go back and they act like he has never been around a bar before, It just rankles for me. But I want to know how you guys felt about the relationship between him and Freddie, because what happens in the first episode, in an echo of the first episode of Frasier, Frasier and Freddie wind up living together. But to me, like, it's not clear that there's a reason for that to happen. I feel like eventually down the road, they start to complicate their relationship a little bit. But at the beginning, it just seemed, I mean, Wana, you said contrived. This is kind of the contrived bit for me. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the thing that I think was confusing for me about the relationship between Frasier and Freddie is, at least in these five episodes, I don't really come to understand the reason for their estrangement. Freddie! Surprise! Dad! You're at my door! (laughs) Unannounced! Now, there's a shorter way to say that. Surprise! So it's like, we're supposed to believe this tension, but all of the elements that I would need as a viewer to make the tension feel believable just don't exist in this universe. Exactly. That's what makes it really tough. And it seems to me, you know, Freddie is a firefighter who has dropped out of university and is very much kind of in the mold of Martin. So I see what they're going for here. I see that they want to create this proximity for the relationship that existed between Frasier and Martin in the original Frasier. But without some additional tension and backstory and understanding, it just really doesn't work for me. I don't understand why Freddie seems to feel some mistrust and distrust of this relationship, yet at the same time accepts his father's offer to move across the hall and to move in with him, it doesn't hold up for me in a way that's very confusing and frankly a little frustrating. And you know, it's actually kind of disappointing because the implication was that 
after all this time, Fraser was a bad father. Mm-hmm. Or at least an absent one, right? You know, say what you will about Frasier in, in the OG series. You know, pompous, you know, <laughs> horniest dude alive, you know, just like death, you know? But he was he was like a good father, right? He was like jumping over hoops to get like gifts, you know, for Freddie, like kind of playing along with whatever sort of phase that Freddie was in his life. They just kind of like be like, none of that ever happened. And he was kind of like a scummy guy, you know, this whole time. And I, I think one of the things I really liked about the original Frasier was that it was so laser focused on close, emotional, complicated bonds among men, which is not necessarily something that television has always been super great at, right? (laughs) I don't understand the reason for the estrangement. They eventually try to sort of explain it somewhat. And that that was something I that I liked about the new series. But I think especially early on, it's like, they're not just estranged, they're like, really estranged. Like, Freddie has treated Frasier as totally absent and gone from his life. I'm never going to be the person that you wanted me to be, and you're never going to understand why I don't want to be that person. We just, we have different values. Why? That much is certain. What's that supposed to mean? You missed your grandfather's funeral. He didn't go to Martin's funeral. Mm -hmm. That's like a really profound estrangement. And I feel like you have to explain that better than they're just different. And his dad's like kind of an academic and he dropped out of school. So they're completely absent from each other's lives now. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think you're right. They don't really get to those interesting, complicated relationship stuff that was underlying the first series. Also, how rich is Frazier supposed to be? Yeah. I don't know what like Boston real estate is supposed to be like, but yeah. you know, <laughs> it's like, I was like, wait, I don't know if the numbers on, on this deal are, are working yet. Like how much is like, could Dr. Phil pull this off? I don't yeah. know. And, and I don't really understand, you know, there's kind of a, eventually an, an implication that Frazier's career, you know, he went from being a radio host to being a TV host and everything got a little goofy. And as, as Andrew said, there's a sort of a parallel to Dr. Phil, but like, I wasn't sure I really bought that Fraser would become that much of a charlatan either. <laughs> no. There's just a lot here that just seems inconsistent with the Fraser that we knew. And on a character level, I did care about that. Well, and it's like the Harvard thing too, right? Initially, when he's approached with an offer or to teach at Harvard, he says something like, oh, no, I can't go because I've got to fly to Paris tomorrow. And if you know anything about the original Fraser Crane who loves the elite, who loves class, who is obsessed with status in Harvard, that is never a thing that Frazier would have said. So some of the ways in which they've morphed and shaped his character <laughs> mm-hmm. to be this person who, on the one hand, cares deeply about being a serious academic man, but on the other hand, these things don't matter to him and he's now schlepping around in his jeans. Like, it's just incongruous. Bro, why is Frazier wearing jeans? I don't know. I know that's a stupid point to hit on, but like hit the jeans and those sneakers that he's wearing. I'm like, what are you, what's going on? It drove me nuts. The dress sneakers seem like a like a, a breaking of the character. And I, I agree that it's not just that he is suddenly less obsessed with status. What they haven't recreated is that balance that I talked about with the first show where sometimes you're the buffoon, sometimes you're the cutting critic and the kind of audience surrogate. There's nobody really here on this show who can sort of cut Frasier down to size when he is being pretentious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Freddie a little bit does, but it's not funny enough and I I feel like it's out of balance for that reason yes 
Well, we want to know what you think about Frasier, old and new. Find us at facebook.com slash PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Juana Summers, Andrew Limbong, thank you so much for being here. This was really fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to show your support, and you'd like to listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Hafsa Fathima and Thomas Liu and edited by Mike Katzeff. Our supervising producer is Jessica Reedy, and Hello Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch.